0: Hello, church. Welcome to Gallery Church Online. My name is Ellis. I'm the pastor here, and I am so uh, glad that you are setting aside the time to be with us today. Very important topic we're going to be covering, but more about that in just a minute. want to give us a chance to get settled in, um, like find a chair, uh, wherever you might be. Uh, really, this is a moment for you to take a deep breath and, and allow yourself to get fully present from this point forward. So I want to give you that opportunity right now, even if you could, to just slow down with me. I'm going to slow down my tone just for a moment. Uh, so if you can hear my voice, even if you're in another room and you're trying to get to a seat, uh, just take a moment to stop where you are and just take a deep breath. Because we really need to just be fully present here. And so, uh, I have taken a prayer that I, um, out of first Corinthians, uh, that I would love to use right now to help us to get settled into today. And it's, it comes, um, uh, yeah, it comes to us right now just, just in these simple words. It's going to be on the screen. Would you just say them out loud together with me? Lord, fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit. Let my life be marked by defiant love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Amen. I actually believe I said that this comes out of First Corinthians, but this really comes out of several places in the New Testament. Paul was adamant about these fruits being um, on the tree of our life as a part of the church, and really feel like it's a great way for us to settle in today, asking the Holy Spirit to really mark us out. And I love that adjective, defiant. It's like no matter what comes against us, we are going to defy it. Um, but do it with love. We're going to have a defiant love, joy, peace. I just love the rhythm of that. So hopefully we can settle into that today. So if you're new, uh, you can ask for prayer anytime during our gathering by opening the app, clicking on the prayer tab or emailing us at prayer at gcbdowntown.com. The email address is on the screen. Please let us know how we can be praying with you and for you. I also want to invite you, uh, there's a link in the description on wherever you're watching this, whether on YouTube or Facebook, to a Zoom lingering time for us, uh, immediate, about 10 minutes after the gathering is over. Would love for you to engage with others, have a chance to take the Lord's table together. Um, ask questions, encourage one another, see some faces, actually talk live with other parts of our church family. I want to encourage you to be a part of that 10 minutes after the benediction today. So before we move forward, uh, we are wanting to look like our father in heaven. We want to have the characteristics of our father in heaven. And generosity is one of the things that is a part of the character of our father in heaven. And we want to be an example of that. And so would you join me right now in this prayer of generosity, that it would be true in us and that this would be the heart of, of his church that that you and I are a part of. So join me right now, this generosity prayer. Father in heaven, there is nothing that I have that you have not given me. All I have and am belong to you bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. To spend everything on myself and give without sacrifice is the way of the world that you cannot abide. But generosity is the way of those who call Christ their Lord, who love him with free hearts and serve him with renewed minds, who withstanding the delusion of riches that chokes the word, whose hearts are in your kingdom and not in the systems of the world. I am determined to increase in generosity until it can be said that there is no needy person among us. I am determined to be trustworthy with such a little thing as money that you may trust me with true riches. Above all, I am determined to be generous because you, Father, are generous. It is the delight of your daughters and sons to share your traits and to show what you are like to all of the world. Amen. And thank you guys for praying that prayer with us. And let us be a generous people. I would love to encourage you now to take some time to give. You can do that through the app or you can do that online at gcbdowntown.com forward slash giving. I also want to encourage you right now that if you want to give your time to the church in the ways that we're serving, our, our deacons would love for you to join them. You can also email us at help at downtown dot com as well. We're praying for you right now as you settle in, looking forward to hearing from Pastor Bill as he talks about Jesus and and his conversation with Pilate. I think you're going to enjoy this. So right now, settle in and let's let the Holy Spirit minister to us today.
1: Welcome to week five of our seven-week series about the violence in the Bible and our struggle with vengeance. This week, we're beginning to see Jesus not as a shadow portrayed by the prophets, but as the King and Lord. These two words go together and complement each other to guide us to understand the kingdom of God to which we belong to. We are free from the worldly understanding of a kingdom. We're searching for what our new identity is like as part of God's kingdom to display God's greatness as the Gallery Church today. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus What is truth, Pilate? Whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none, and whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, Teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, And we, what shall we do? And he said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, and be content with your wages. John the Baptist You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is one of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus.
2: The USS Constellation is a sloop of war. She is the last sail-only warship designed and built by the United States Navy. She was built in 1854 using a small amount of material that was salvaged from the frigate USS Constellation, which had been decommissioned in the year before. She is now preserved as a museum ship in Baltimore uh, Inner Harbor in Maryland. It is a national historic landmark. The battleship fought uh, her last battle against forgotten and ab- and being forgotten and abandoned when she was settled here in Baltimore back in 1999. But we may not remember, or we may not know, the role that she played against the slave trade. What makes her so unique is that her mission was to locate and capture slave ships coming from Africa, seize them, and return the slaves back to Africa. The USS Constellation was a battleship so different from all the other battleships, because more than a battleship, she was a deliverance of freedom battleship. This is one of the most painful eras in the nation, in the history of the United States, the slave trade. It brought wealth and prosperity to many, but the cost of building such wealth was excessively painful, and its consequences still create violence today. In those days, empires were built up with welfare, economy, and political strengths. Former enemies were united around money and wealth to create worldly kingdoms. Today, we're going to look at Jesus' teaching as a king, what he taught about his kingdom, how we need to change the way that we look at kingdoms and we understand and learn to be the light in our communities. In order to better understand and accept his kingdom, we need to learn God's meaning of words like peace, justice, violence, love, righteousness, and not lean in our own understanding of what the world is teaching us today, how the world has shaped these words to be. We need to see us as an active part of God's kingdom, priests and kings. Last week, Pastor Ellis He made a reference to Deuteronomy 17. When you come to the land, the Lord your God has is given to you, and you possess it, and you dwell in it, and they say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. You may indeed set a king over you, whom the Lord your God will choose, one from among you, from among your brothers. You shall set a king over you. But you may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother. Only he must not acquire many horses for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt in order to acquire many horses. Since the Lord has said to you, you shall never return this way again. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself. Lest his heart turn away, nor he shall acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. My prayer today is that as we look in today's message, we continue to be transformed and be encouraged to live in our city as a part of the kingdom of heaven, in which Jesus is the King and Lord and has set a way for us to be a light in our community. We begin in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the center of creation. Genesis 1 verses 1 and 2 says, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In these verses, and the ones that follow, God established rules, decrees, For the whole creation rules and decrees is what separates order from chaos. God sets the times of the day. He separates the light from darkness. He sets the boundaries for the birds of the air and for the fish of the sea and for the stars in the skies. The earth was like a blank canvas or maybe should I say a dark and messy canvas and the Spirit of God As an artist, he cleaned it up and he made it ready for the creation of God to take place according to his desires. Now, God's desires are not in the sense of an egocentric and seeking undeserved recognition for himself. But instead, they are from a loving God who wants to manifest himself to his creation. He wants to live in the middle of the humanity. God created Adam and Eve. To oversee his creation. And he gave them rules. Decrees. So that they could keep the order. Two weeks ago. Aida taught us. That Adam and Eve. They broke the order. By choosing what was desirable. In their eyes. And it was away from God's plans. And how God called them out. Of their chaos. And he created a way to come back into the order that he had established through Jesus Christ. God then called out Cain after he had murdered his his brother Abel. God also called out Noah to set order when the people used to do what what they thought was right in their eyes. God called out Abraham out of the... Of the earth, of the Chaldeans, an idolatrous people, an idolatrous nation to the promised land where God will be a blessing to all the nations through his descendants. It is a foretelling of Jesus Christ. Abraham served and worshiped the king of, and priest of Salem or Shalom, Melchizedek, and honored him with the tithes and offerings because it was good in God's eyes. Abraham brought chaos when he had Jacob and Isaac. Abraham was trying to help God to fulfill the promises that he had made. Because he thought that he was right. Joseph, he was called out by God as a legitimate heir above all the other sons of Jacob. And he was betrayed by his half-brothers because of envy, because they thought that they were doing what was right. But God has chosen Jacob to save Israel and to bring them into the land of Egypt. Israel forgot about God's promises and did what was right in their eyes to feel comfortable making a living even in the slavery. They worked without a stop and even they were oppressed. So that they turned their eyes to the Lord. And then God called out Moses to the burning bush, to the Shekinah, to deliver his people and to bring them to the land that he had previously promised to Abraham. Aida taught us how about Joshua, how he went on and he conquered the promised land. God called out Joshua to be strong and courageous. To prepare the land where he would be dwelling. Because it was filled with violence. Ellis taught us about how the judges were risen during the certain periods. But they did, most of them, they did what they thought was right in their hearts. They didn't follow God's commandments. God then called out Samuel to be the judge and the prophet of Israel and to fulfill the request when they asked for a king. God let Israel chose kings because they wanted to be like the other nations. They trusted in their own strength, their own wealth, because they were following what they thought was right. The prophets, frequently, they call the people of Israel to trust God again and again and to remember God's promises, to repent, to trust in him, not to trust in their own understanding, not to see the things with their own eyes, not to believe and to trust in their own military power or their wealth. The story has been repeated Over and over again, in your life and in my life, there is chaos. And the Spirit of the Lord hovers above our chaos and He brings order so that He can dwell in us. The author of Hebrews, He reminds us that God in the previous time, He spoke through the prophets. But in the last day, He is speaking through His Son, Jesus, whom he has appointed to be heir of all things, which he had also created, and he sustains, and he established a place for his dwelling among the nations. We can accept this by faith, meaning that we can trust in God's promises to have an absolute confidence in what is right in his eyes. John tells us in the first chapter of his gospel that God created all things as it was mentioned in Genesis 1. And Jesus is affirmed as the Lord of creation, Adonai in Hebrew, because he not only created, but he cares for his creation. In John chapter 1, verses 6-10, it says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness. To bear witness about the light. That all might believe through him. He was not the light. But he came to bear witness about the light. The true light. Which gives light to everyone. Was coming into the world. He was in the world. But the world was made. And the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. John is reminding us that there is a rededication of the kingdom of God as it was established in Genesis to be according to God's plan how it was ordained in the times. From Genesis through the Gospels, the people of Israel underwent persecution, exile, abuse, even by their own people and by, their, by other nations. Jesus the Christ was born in a world Throwing with violence, similar to the chaos that existed before the creation. The years before Malachi and the New Testament. The years between Malachi and the New Testament are called the silent years. And they were called silent because there was not a written prophecy from God. But it doesn't mean that God was in quarantine or the people were at peace or in stillness. There were anything by silence. Chaos was all around. Kings rose up against kings. Nations fought against nations. And the Israelites were fighting for freedom and survival. The known world in Jesus' time was submerged in violence. Many people rose promising to be deliverers of Israel, restorers of peace. The Maccabees rose in 167 before Christ. And for 50 years, they had an independent nation through violent revolts from Rome, ruling, and finally they were crushed and brutally executed, giving raise to the celebration of Hanukkah. The Hasmorian and the Herodian d- dynasties, the last one ruled even after Jesus was born, executed, and resurrected, Herod the Great, He believed that he was the anointed king of Israel and decided to kill Jesus along with many other babies because he heard the wise men speaking about the coming Messiah during his kingdom. Herod the Great rose to be a king and he was selected by the Romans as a perfect ally, half Jew, half Gentile. He established the Herodian kingdom. But there was violence even within his family. He killed some of his sons in order to preserve the unity of his kingdom. Immediately after Herod the Great died, two figures claimed to be Messiah, Simon and Anthraconis. They led independent revolts. Their principal purpose, according to the first century writer Josephus, was kill Romans. And they claim to be the Jewish throne. Both of these men and their movements were crushed by the Roman Empire. Both of these men were publicly executed. After the death, the kingdom was divided in four. Judea was the most violent of the four uh, provinces. And it was under the control of a procurator. A procurator was the high official of the Roman emperor. Sometimes he was a close friend with Caesar, the emperor. A few years later, when Jesus was about 12 years of age, a warrior named Judas, not this carrier, he tried to overthrow Rome and establish God's kingdom. The insurrection, which happened a few miles from Nazareth, gained some traction, but was halted by Rome. Judas' two sons, Jacob and Simon also led violent revolts that failed, and both men were caught and crucified. Around the same time, Ptolemaus worked in an unsuccessful revolt, and so did another one, Theodos. Both were executed. But despite all the attempts, hope still burned for the establishment of what people consider God's kingdom. What it was, but they thought that it was meant to be taken by force. Despite all the public executions and the bloodshed, messiahs sought to usher God's kingdom by hammering their farm tools and turning them into weapons of war. The kingdom of God became a synonym of the sword of men. Jesus comes to restore the peace and harmony between man and God. He came to establish the foundations of the kingdom of God, starting with his obedience. It is in this context that we must understand the strange words and deeds of a peasant son of a Jewish carpenter, a rather unmessianic like figure. Jesus was preaching a non-violent kingdom. He would bear a plowshare, not a sword, and set up God's kingdom without using violence. And very importantly, he will tell his followers to do the same. What Jesus, the king, really taught about his kingdom of peace and shalom is something that the world cannot understand. And also that his people should be actively engaged in his kingdom. What did Jesus actually say and teach? The central message of Jesus was about the coming of God's kingdom and that we are an active part in it. John the Baptist, he was the herald before Jesus came and he was proclaiming that the kingdom of God was at hand. He It was near. It had approached. And we cannot go so deeply into the meaning of this concept now But when people came to him and asked him, what shall we do? He bluntly said, repent and be baptized. He spoke about the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Mountains may low, valleys be filled, equally and justice for all. Make paths straight, fairness for all, integrity. Rough places shall become level ways, access to all. All flesh shall see the salvation of God, inclusive its a universal kingdom. His response to what had to be done was not go to war, but rather justice and peace from the inside out. He declared that he was not another Messiah, but how people would be baptized, cleansed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus also used this kingdom language in the four gospel accounts. How did the gospel writers sum up Jesus' message? Matthew 4:23, we read that Jesus went throughout Galilee proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And in Mark chapter 1 verses 14 and 15, Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God and says, "The kingdom of God is at hand." everything he says and everything that he does is in some way related to the kingdom jesus announces that this long anticipated reign of god over the earth is breaking up through history through him we don't have to read the gospels very far to see jesus message gets him into hot water very fast jesus he was invited to have dinner mostly by Pharisees. They wanted to have Jesus as their their ally, or at least to know more about this person who had become so popular. When Jesus talked about the kingdom, everyone already had a category to understand what he was saying. Some agreed, some did not agree, but mostly all understood that he was right. Jesus isn't inventing a term or a concept unknown to the people. Rather, he takes a well-known concept that had been embedded in their hearts and understanding and gave it a real meaning according to God's point of view. Jesus, as John preached in the desert, deals with two primary things in the concept of kingdom. First, the issue of selfish power. And second, the issue of violence. All other kingdoms up until that moment are breaking in with a powerful and power and force and violence and with selfish ambitions, either individually or for a selected group. Jesus is bringing a kingdom using God's peace of nonviolence. Even the simple understanding of what violence is is much deeper from God's eyes. Violence is not just the actions of killing, robbing, destroying, but also the actions that lead to these manifestations. Shalom, peace, implies that everybody is treated fairly, and that is one of the fundamentals of God's kingdom. Shamas, is violence, is anything that is unjust to anyone and is totally opposed to God's kingdom. Some people may say that shalom is good for their own group and that anything that is done to preserve that peace or that state of peace is right. But shalom is meant for all, including our enemies or the people who has done us wrong. Jonah had to struggle with this when he was called to bring uh, salvation, repentance, and forgiveness to Nineveh, their, his enemies. James, in chapter 4, verses 2 and 4, he tells us that the origin of war and quarrels and ultimately violence is from inside, from within our selfishness that resides in human hearts. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, He accuses Israel of selfishness after the exile and he announces that the day of the Lord will purify Israel and prepare them for God's kingdom. Remember how the prophets called Israel to repent and abandon their trust in welfare, wealth, and power that do not come from the Lord the core of the gospel of, the, of God's kingdom is mentioned in Micah 6, verse 8. The order in God's kingdom. He has told you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God. Justice, charity, and righteousness all have the same Hebrew root, tzedek, tzedakah, or tzaddik, because they are intertwined and they cannot be separated. Justice, love, and righteousness. In contrast, the worldly kingdoms, they seek justice, kindness, and righteousness, but for a group or for a person, not for all. Violence is condemned or accepted depending on how it affects a selected group. Defending worldly kingdoms with violence seems to be the norm in the world. And it is hard or even impossible to clearly see without a heart that has been changed. One of the best places to see this is in John chapter 18 verses 33 through 38 here jesus is on trial and he described his kingdom to pontius pilate pilate asks are you the king of the jews but jesus doesn't give him an straight answer but as a reflection for pilate to meditate jesus answered do you say this on your own accord or did others say it to you Pilate understands the concept of a king to be a powerful, coercive, violent, earthly ruler that is in control of the most subversive and violent region in the Roman Empire, Judea. Jesus will affirm that indeed he is a king, but not according to the rudiments of this world. So first, he must establish or redefine what is kingship. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants will be here fighting so that I may not be delivered to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Jesus' statement has been subject to many interpretations. Some people think that the kingdom is wholly spiritually, spiritual, and completely otherworldly. This view is correct in that Jesus was not seeking to overthrow Rome, and there is definitely some sort of already-but-not-yet dimension to Jesus' kingdom. More than a challenge to the political and military identity of Rome, the leaders of Israel, they saw in Jesus as a threat for Israel to be destructed and subdued by Rome. Also, When the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they failed to bring Jesus on their side, they saw in Jesus a threat to their kingdom, and they set their minds in having him murdered. Other views that none of this world means is that the kingdom of God is a present spiritual reality, but in the future it will be a physical reality. However this view still falls into the trap of taking none of this world to refer to some spiritual immaterial realm to come and leading to false teaching of and leads to the false teaching of endure hold on on your pain and suffering because one day Jesus will restore you this false appreciation has been used to quiet groups of people that cry out for justice. So what does Jesus mean by my kingdom is not of this world? The answer comes in Jesus' very next words. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting. Jesus means that his kingdom would not follow the script of other nation-like worldly kingdoms in history. Jesus' kingdom will enact God's reign on earth, which according to the prophets will be peace to all the nations, offering forgiveness and undeserving, undeserving to, and extending love to neighbors and enemies alike. Let us take a minute to look at the word, at the word world. The gospel of John, the writer, John the disciple, He uses the same word in Greek cosmos throughout his gospel and in his his letters uh, to refer to the systems of the world, that social construction of reality. World is the same as the way unbelievers do things in their own eyes because they think that it's right. For instance, Jesus says that he has come to testify against the world, that its deeds are evil. We read about this in John 7, 7. In first letter of John, chapter 2, verse 16, we, we, we can hear, do not love the world or the things of this world. This doesn't mean that we don't love the things that are visible on earth. Not that it refers that we don't love people. Jesus and John, they tell us that we should love people. The world refers to the worldly systems that run against God's way of doing things, but seek to do what seems to be right for them. Unjust economy systems. Dehumanizing soci- social classification. Advancing one's kingdom through violence. These are just but a few of the things that, define, that are defined by world. In John and Jesus' language. Paul also tells us. Do not be conformed to the rudiments. To the way that the world as a system is ruled or functions. It is not to raise a revolt against the authorities. Because I think so. But it is not to let our hearts judge and leave the way that the world is living. When Jesus tells Pilate that his kingdom is not of this world, it means that God's kingdom does not follow the ways of the earthly, worldly kingdoms. God's kingdom cannot be under- reduced to an individual or segregated group salvation or benefits. Neither can it be reduced to some immaterial religious individual experience. If Jesus' kingdom was restricted to individuals and the spiritual realm, he would have used a different word, but he didn't. Jesus is foretelling Pilate that God's kingdom on earth has been established, established, and that it is different from the past kingdoms, including Rome, including Israel, but it's different from any other kingdom that will ever come. In other words, Jesus' kingdom did not come about through physical fighting. The kingdom of God is one where first enemies are loved, second offenders are forgiven. Jesus is making it clear before Pilate that he is a non-violent, even to the higher understanding of non-violence, as he is predicting in Isaiah to care for the widows the orphans, the foreigners, the ones that are weaker and the ones that are needy. There are two dangerous uh, and erroneous belief among believers of Christ as well. The first is we believe that the primary message of Jesus is something like this. Here's how you will get to heaven when you die. Or do this and you will be a better person. Person. The second is that it is only Jesus, the one that is in charge of manifesting God's kingdom, and that we are just mere receivers of his goodness. These are very dangerous beliefs. There is a big difference in the kingdom of heaven and the Caesar Rome empire on earth. And Pilate is not the only one that struggles with this understanding. Jesus is teaching about a non-violent kingdom that it doesn't make any uh, sense to his followers. Remember, Peter drew a sword to fight for Jesus when he was going to be arrested. And James and John, he asked Jesus to make fire descend from heaven to destroy the Samaritans because they didn't uh, welcome them. Even John the Baptist when the one that foretold of the kingdom of heaven, the one that baptized Jesus, that heard the voice from heaven, that saw the Spirit descending upon Jesus, when he was in prison, he sent his disciples and to ask Jesus, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another one? That's in Matthew 11, verse 3. John the Baptist was in prison, and it seems like things have not changed. Don't we get anxious when things don't seem to change in our lives? Jesus is sending the message to John, affirming that the prophecy of Isaiah has been fulfilled. He reassures John that he, Jesus, indeed is the one. Jesus sends to respond, The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. That's Matthew 11, verses 4 and 5. Jesus has been doing all these things. We can read the red definition of God's kingdom in the Sermon on the Mount. Where the general theme that Jesus is using in his teachings is, It has been said to you, but I tell you. Meaning this is the way that people have portrayed the kingdom of God. But this is what the kingdom of God is. Jesus, he is the true king of Israel. But the kingdom is not of this world. Jesus frequently tells his disciples, Not to tell others about his identity as Messiah. Because his disciples, they need to have the new understanding of king and kingdom before they can proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus doesn't want that the people will come and crown him as king according to what they wanted. To have a king to be like the other nations. He's a king. They wanted a king to serve their passions, to fulfill their desires. And they need to understand that Jesus will be the suffering servant. In Matthew 8, verse 31, it says, "But And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days he will rise again. The disciples could not get it because they still needed to receive the Holy Spirit to have their hearts transformed. All of these would be followers of Jesus. They needed to deny themselves, pick up their crosses, and suffer. We must learn that concept of suffering too. Suffering and learning can be very challenging for us. Because we have a massive source of knowledge today at the finger of our, at the tip of our fingers. We have been taught to trust in ourselves. You can do it. Our, we have been told that we can trust in our abilities, in our capacity for decision making. We are looking to avoid suffering. The cross and the resurrection. It is what constitutes the power of the kingdom of heaven. And it is in contrast with what the kingdom of the worlds they tells us. The power of decision making and the power of success. How do we define success? According to the world, we define success as probably the wealth that we can that we have, or probably the a job that we have obtained, or probably the respect and the power in front of the people. We build successful careers. We build successful lives. But the matter of fact is at the end, we long for time invested in the community, time invested with family. That's what we long for in our last days. Jesus spends so much of his time helping his disciples to see that the way of God is different, and that the life in the kingdom is possible only when you have the power of the Spirit living in you. In Mark chapter 10, verses 42 and 43, Jesus says, "So Jesus called them together and said, "You know." That the rulers of this world lord over it lower their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. Starting in Acts chapter two, we'll see how the church starts to leave the revelation of the kingdom of God. Later on, Peter will affirm that we are not to live under the precepts of the system of this world but we are but we are not also called to live as merely simple spectators or receivers 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 1 he tells us dear friends i warn you as temporary res- residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 19 and 21, they are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things, and they think only about this life on earth. But we are citizens of heaven, where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our Savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. God is calling us as Gallery Church Baltimore out to be a light in the place that he has located us, in Patterson, in downtown, or in any location that he's calling us, to be a light of God's love. Not as a static memory like the USS serving as a symbol of former victories while our city sinks in segregation and injustice. Not for our own benefit or profit. But as a living stone that proclaims the kingdom of God, not only with the lips, but with their actions. Creation groans for the children of God to step forward. Creation groans for equality, for um, justice, for fairness. Worldly kingdoms, they flex their muscles to rule the earth. But Jesus bent his knees To wash our feet. Dear brothers and sisters. Something is totally wrong. When the kingdom that we are manifesting. It is not distinct or different. From what it is out of the world. Let's pray. Father thank you for your son Jesus Christ. Father thank you for the spirit that lives in us. Father, we pray that we seek justice, that we seek uh, fairness, that we seek to be a light so that people can see your love in this city, in this neighborhood where you have placed us. Father, help us to be actively involved in proclaiming the kingdom of God. Father, we know that we can follow your guide, your lead, Father, help us to understand the difference of violence according to your understanding. Help us not to see the world as what we think is right, but we know you look at it is right. Help us to understand that shalom is peace for everyone. Help us to understand that justice is justice for everyone. Help us to understand that your peace is nothing is missing. Nothing is lacking and nothing is in excess for everyone. And maybe we can understand when we say that the peace that our Lord Jesus Christ declares for us is asking from us and is asking for us be with us all. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen.
3: We want to invite you to respond to the word of God that we just received. We know that he is speaking and working in our hearts. We live in a world where people are increasingly desiring for no one to tell them what to do. How do you respond to authority? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? The church should live differently from the world. Why is it so hard for us to be different? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? It is a fact. Jesus is our King. How does this impact you? How is this changing how you live? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you understand more fully that Jesus is King and worthy to be King of our lives. Let's respond to the Holy Spirit, acknowledge his work in us, and celebrate that we are lavishly loved by our Father in Heaven and our Lord Jesus Christ.
0: I really am excited about what the Holy Spirit is communicating to us. And it's my prayer that we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to do a great work. Actually, I love the way Paul told the church, let the Holy Spirit complete the work in you. That's what we need to do. Let's partner with him to complete this work, to look like Jesus in our generation. All right, so an announcement. Just one announcement I want to share with you guys before we do the benediction. Uh, We are going to be having in-person gatherings starting Easter Sunday. So I'm excited about that. There will be some things that we are going to need to organize around in order to continue to uh, be loving towards one another and promote safety. Um, so there will be some more social media posts. There will be some things that will be coming out to you. Uh, and we will need to have a registration for services so that uh, we can Be careful with our numbers, but all of those details are getting worked out right now in real time as we're recording this and preparing this video for you this weekend. But I do want you to know Easter Sunday, April 4th, we will have an in-person gathering. Some more details are coming and I am looking forward to us being together, getting a chance to talk about Jesus and encouraging one another. So here's our benediction um, as we go from here today with the encouraging words that Pastor Bill shared with us here. Here's here's our going out words as we go from here. May we understand more clearly this week that the worldly kingdoms flex their muscles to rule the earth. Jesus kneels to wash feet. So let me just say that one more time. May we understand more clearly that worldly king- kingdoms flex their muscles to rule the earth. Jesus kneels to wash feet. May we see where we still act like the world around us. And may we see and know that Jesus is our king and his ways need to be our ways. His thoughts our thoughts. And may we find ourselves more and more aware that we are in the arms of a loving heavenly father. May God's grace and peace be with you. Thank you guys so much. And if you're watching the premiere, don't forget 10 minutes. We'll be on zoom together.